Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers Sunday Sermon. This is your host, David Johnson, and I am joined with by with joined by Andrew. How you doing? Yeah, we could um you know, you should just cut that joined with part completely out, right? You know, you, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, you're thinking that I'm gonna do some editing. I understand. <laughs> Oh no, I know you better than that. I'm just I'm just telling you that you should. The the, Look, the idea that you actually will. Here, no. Here's the deal. Um this is not this is not still unbelievable. One of the biggest differences between 4S and still unbelievable is that still unbelievable uh takes about four months to put a show out uh that they record and I take about four minutes. <laughs> uh <laughs> so hey, 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 hey. That's enough truth. So, okay. so, <laughs> I mean, look, I could, I could have perfectly edited shows and you just wouldn't get as many shows. So I choose volume over quality. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, look, this is, this is going nowhere and, and getting worse. So I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to just let that stand. The, uh, that was the voice of Skeptics and Seekers, David Johnson. So, uh, for since we, since we are at that point, um, let, uh, let, let's try this out. This can be cut out if, uh, if it's inappropriate or doesn't go well. Um, skeptics and seekers still unbelievable. Uh, we're not going to be different things. I mean, the same thing necessarily, but we're not going to be completely different things either, uh, coming in the near future. We're just going to do shows together, uh, a lot more often and maybe all the time because that's who we are. And uh, we like to do the shows. We do a similar kind of thing. Um, uh, Andrew and Matt do their thing and it's a good thing. I do my thing. It's a good thing. But you know, when we're on the show at the same time, it's better than any of our shows uh, when we're not. And that's just, that's just a fact. Uh, this was, this was, if if I if I can use some woo woo language, this was destined to be a trio, uh, and I these this is kind of the dream team uh, for me. Actually, I would there are one or two other people that I'd love to drag into it <laughs> on a on a regular basis, but I think that um, for the last few months or year uh, or so for me. Uh, skeptics and seekers just feels a little incomplete. And, you know, I listen to still unbelievable every now and then, and that, that actually feels incomplete too. But when we do shows together, it feels complete. And so we're going to be doing more of that more to come. We haven't really talked it through or thought it through completely, but it's coming down the road. And I think that it's going to be a good time uh, for everyone, including the audience. Uh, Andrew, uh, would you like to add something or should I just cut all this out? <laughs> no, no, I think, I think this is a perfect time to make the announcement. Uh, Matthew is on board and, and always was. And there are some other reasons to join the shows that people don't know. And this is, this is just sort of, uh, you know, behind the scenes of podcasting, but our two shows, um, still unbelievable skeptics and seekers. We've, we have always done our best to share guest lists, right? So it, it's not uncommon 
to see a guest on uh, Skeptics and Seekers that will eventually show up on Still Unbelievable or the other way around. And when we were running the properties entirely separately, we didn't have as much of an opportunity to share guests that our listeners care about. And it also meant that people would have to go into different streams, different channels to hear what sometimes was a very similar interview with, with not, not much difference. There's always some difference, right? We don't, we don't share the, the question list either. So there, there's always some difference, but the question lists and the guest interviews are bound to be better. They're bound to be more complete, more well-rounded, more interesting, more personality if we're doing them together. Right. Uh, totally agree. Everyone knows that uh, Forrest is not really a guest-driven show, but we do have guests every now and then, and and they're great. And it would be even greater uh, if we had more people to participate in those conversations. And it just kind of you know, we talk about our guests behind the scenes usually. All the time. Um, and right. uh, so, you know, we know when a guest is coming up on a show and then it becomes like, oh, you know, I'd, I'd love to have a cheap seat on that. Or would you pass along my contact so that, uh, you know, I can get him on this show? And no guest should have to be on these shows twice. Uh, once is enough. And and we can, we can get that thing done. And so uh, making a making schedules with guests and three people is always harder than doing it with two people, but it's infinitely easier than doing a, having a guest to show up on two different shows. And so that's right. And there's, there's something else that it does for us. So, so again, this is, this is just sort of what's happening in the dugout. Right. Um, but the, the other bit of this is that it is hard for the two shows to find a good time to podcast. Matthew is, is uh, you know, he's four or five hours away, depending on the time of year. Uh, and I'm not always available on his schedule. Uh, sometimes you're not available. Sometimes you and I aren't available at the same time. But if there are three of us, there will be more likelihood that we can find two out of the three of us to carry the flag for whatever episode is is. Uh, being put in the pipeline. Exactly. Uh, Andrew has a, a, a challenging uh, schedule. Uh, it's it's an enviable thing, really, to someone who would envy it. I don't. But he's he's got a pretty good life. And uh, there, there are some people out there who would envy it. Um, but that means he's got a challenging uh, schedule. And uh, as busy as I tend to be, my schedule remains unchallenging. Matt's schedule is, uh, well, I can tell you, Andrew has done podcasting with Matt for what, pretty nigh on to four years. Right. He has no idea what Matt's schedule is, and neither do I. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. But that's right. Um, and this is this is just because we're separated by an ocean, right? And, and that's just sort of how it works. Right. But you would get more uh, still unbelievable episodes as a result of the three of us being together, because there, there is more likely for any two of us to be able to do a show together. Right. right. 
and and, well, and, and then we have also, shared audiences. Can I talk about shared audiences for a second? Yes, and and then uh, yeah, and then I'm going to go back to hosting because there's another interesting detail there. Actually, so, yeah, fin talk, finish talk your finish your thought. Just remind me uh, because I'm not taking notes or anything, so I will have forgotten. Oh, I will. So the other the other thing that we have both wanted to do, and Matthew has wanted to do is make the hosting list slightly more interesting be able to pass the be able to pass the mic around uh give the give the listeners some variety and this combination this this new thing that we're doing will accomplish that by its very organic nature without us having to do very much about it yeah um so another thought on hosting i mean i i, I have a a series of, of guests that are kind of my usual suspects. And so it's, it's not just me. I mean, technically it's just me doing this show. Uh, and then I, and then I wrote people in, uh, to help out, but really this show, uh, includes a lot of people that rotate in and out. Uh, when we are very, very lucky, uh, we can get Brian Y, uh, to yep. rotate in. He's very yep. good uh, on the mic. He's extremely good. He's better than I am on, on the mic. Um, he's way better than Andrew. Uh, what I'm saying, hold on, let me, let me back up, edit. Um, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is we've got some very talented people. We've got Clint, uh, who sometimes bounces back, uh, between the two shows, but, uh, we, we love Clint. Clint is really a, a host emeritus on, um, SNS and a part of uh, what I would consider the four. Uh, Matt is a part of that. Uh, Darren is someone who I very much enjoy uh, having on shows because he always has a, uh, a slightly different perspective, something that I haven't thought about because our backgrounds are, are different. With this, with us three, uh, me, Andrew, and Matt, um, you know, kind of combining our, our talent pool, we also get to combine maybe our host pool as well. And so you might hear, uh, more conversations with say Matt and Brian, uh, you know, as an example, uh, Andrew and, and Clint and Darren, I don't think we've had Clint and Darren on a show at the same time, uh, which might be fun, but we, we expand that, kind of list of usual suspects and i would like I'd, I'd love to see those uh many combinations i would too there's uh by the way uh that's enough of you and uh trying to get mileage out of uh beating me up you don't get to do that anymore it's it's over it's done <laughs> damn uh, <laughs> so look, that ended so, abruptly uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, the, the listeners around here, they've, uh, uh, they've, they've heard this far too long. No, no, um, I, will, I will be good. <laughs> uh, well, no, that's, that's the one thing that's guaranteed that you won't be. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. <laughs> Folks, you can just take that any way you'd like. Um, okay. So there are some other there are some other folks, uh, Brian Blaze, as a for yes. instance, when we uh, when we want to go and really dig into uh, some aspect of uh, science, uh, especially as it relates to uh, math or uh, or the human brain, uh, miracles, that kind of thing. Brian Blaze.
is the go-to guy. And he's been around both shows and, and being able to have him as part of a unified show, uh, I think, I think does us all uh, a real service. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and he's not the only one. So, uh, and, and by the way, uh, thank you to Brian blaze for, uh, for always, always making the shows more interesting, uh, when he's around. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we, 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 we all do great, uh, individually and we do fine, but we're just, we're just better. I'm better when I have someone to talk to who is not just as smart as me, but smarter than me in the areas that I want to talk about. That's, that's a good conversation for me. Um, me too. You know, I don't, I don't want to, as some people would say, punch down. Uh, that's not fun. And I can assure you that Andrew and I and Matt don't always agree. Uh, if I'm going to fight with someone, I want to fight with someone at that level. <laughs> so, right. And, and right. So hunching down is not what either show has been about from, from the beginning. The, the shows have been, uh, about finding the best people we can find to have the conversations we can have. Now, there are some notable exceptions where you don't know the guest ahead of time, right? And and there's just there's just nothing you can do about that, folks. So if you're a listener to either show, and especially if you've listened to both shows, you know that there are just some episodes where you have a guest on that seems to have an interesting proposition. And... And and you hit metal pretty quick, right? You, you start to scratch away at the proposition. And, and as it turns out, it was just a, a clever set of words to create a proposition. There's not much behind it. But you should know that that has never been intentional. Uh, it's still unbelievable or, or skeptics and seekers. It's just the nature of podcasting that not every guest, um, not every guest should have a proposition dissected on on mic. And sometimes it's just that they haven't gotten a chance to think about it as, as much as they thought they have. Uh, on the other hand, occasionally it's that you run across a good podcast host and you're just not, you're just not ready for that job. Um, so, so there it is. Sometimes you have a, uh, sometimes you have a show to put out and it has looked like we've gone around uh, finding a guest that that was just too easy to handle but that's never been intentional yeah no never and i uh, so the last thing i wanted to say about this was the audiences because that's right you know we as as podcast uh producers have a responsibility kind of there's kind of an an unwritten contract between content uh producers and content consumers and on the side of the content producer part of the contract is to just make it easier and better for you to enjoy the content that you want to enjoy. I mean, we're, we're as hosts are going on our personal journeys, but we recognize that there are people that are coming along with us, alongside us, uh, vicariously. And that doesn't go unnoticed and we very much appreciate it. And we want to do the thing that makes sense to the listener right now it does not make sense 
to have multiple podcast feeds of basically the same show. Um, right. You know, some of the people who listen to Steel Unbelievable also listen to uh, 4S and uh, vice versa. But there's there's some uh, where, you know, there are only people who listen to Steel Unbelievable and only listen to 4S because they don't know about the different properties. So rather than having you maintain a, a bunch of podcast feeds and our websites and show notes and links and things like that, it makes more sense for you. I mean, if you guys enjoy listening to me and you enjoy listening to Andrew and you enjoy listening uh, to, to Matt. To Matt. And, we, and everybody we have, enjoys listening to Matt. You know, so. and, I mean, I enjoy listening to Matt. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I really, I, I love Matt uh, like a brother. And um, that is, that is the, the truth. Um, I love Andrew like a brother. He's been a brother uh, to me for oh, a long time. Oh, goodness. And, um, you know, these are, so I love being with these people. And if you love being with these people, it makes sense for us to make it easier for you to do that uh, just by just by us doing shows together. And I don't know what the nature of that will be. That doesn't mean that I won't, uh, you know, go rogue and do my own damn show from time to time, uh, because there'll be plenty of times when I want to say something that no one else has time to say or, or desire for it. So it's not going to it's not going to take away our individual voices. But what it's going to take away is the need for you to shuffle between lots of things to hear the people that you want to hear. That's right. And, and one more thing uh, about audience since we're, since we're talking about it, there's a driver for podcasters. There's, there's a reason that we give up substantial personal time to do this. And, and if you've ever thought about starting a podcast and, uh, and you didn't part of it, probably was that the personal time commitment to to deal with the technology stack and to find something interesting to say and to put enough out to uh, to interest an audience often enough to get them to repeat listening to you uh, doing that you realized was was really a major commitment and and you may not have started a podcast uh, because of it but as podcasters, we very often hear from people who say, thank you for whatever episode. Thank you. Thank you for some individual episode that that really did change my life. Uh, it it brought me out of religion or uh, it helped me think about a relationship I was in. Or, or you know what? I was I was considering harming myself and your show kept me from it. Those things are priceless. I mean, I mean, genuinely priceless. And we have both both shows, both all all the hosts have gotten letters written directly to us individually by the nature of podcasting. And my point about audience is this: by putting these these two shows together, by getting these voices together that have actually changed lives. We stand a better chance of doing that for a broader audience. And that's an important part of the calculation for continuing to podcast and to put out content 
that people like. Right. And it, uh, even though this is kind of a recap of what we said earlier, I, I think I need to say it directly as well. Uh, this shit is hard. <laughs> this is, uh, so we, we kind of dance around that fact, but, uh, we're all, we all have lives outside of this. This does not pay us. Um, and nope. we have developed, you know, talent and resources and time around it, but it's hard. Uh, and having, having combined resources just takes the pressure off of each of us individually with, with more people carrying the same load. And, uh, so, you know, I, it will take some pressure off of me, uh, for sure. Uh, it's going to take some pressure off of Andrew because there, there are times when he might try to force himself to be on a show that he shouldn't be on because he's got to be doing something else. And then he wouldn't have to, uh, I, I know it's going to take some pressure off of Matt, uh, because, uh, Matt, I'm fairly sure has been cloned into three people already. Um, he's, I, I don't understand how he does what he does. Uh, and then when theater season comes around, um, there's, he has to break off another clone for that. So, uh, this takes a lot of pressure off of us. And when pressure is off of the hosts, we can do better. We can do more better. Um, and so I'm looking forward uh, to, uh, the fall and beyond doing more better for you, the listeners. And, uh, I, I just want to, um, I just wanted to, to say that out loud because it's something that we've been saying, uh, kind of privately and, um, you know, it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen, uh, soon and it'll happen in stages and you'll see it as it happens and you'll, you'll understand what's going on as it happens. So this was surprisingly, folks, not the reason that that we are uh, on mic. Not today. at all the subject, <laughs> and, and in fact, not even subject adjacent. No, no. In fact, we didn't even pre-discuss this. <laughs> so. Yeah, but it went pretty well for yeah. for all of that. Not uh, bad. Uh, speaking like, of announcements, let me just say, since this is kind of a regular 4S show, for those of you who don't know, for those of you who only listen to this show once a week, maybe you have a podcast feed and you notice, excuse me, a lot of shows appearing in your podcast feed. That's because I've been doing a near daily series called Shorts, Skeptics and Seekers Sunday Sermon Shorts, and they can go anywhere from three to 20 minutes, um, however the spirit leads. And they're in your same feed. They don't end up on YouTube. So for those of us, uh, for those in the audience who only view this as a YouTube feed, skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com, whatever the latest show is, I put the shorts under there. And you can also just subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Any uh, thing announcement worthy going on with you and Matt before we jump into the actual show? Just, just this. Um, <clears throat> Matthew working hard to get us into a collective of podcasters that share the drive to share good podcasts with each other. And so, in the in the coming weeks, you are going to hear advertising, not not corporate advertising stuck in by, uh, uh, you know, by some podcaster, 
but you're going to hear us play a spot for the podcasts that we are recommending. Two important points about this. First of all, they are hand curated. These are people we know. These are people that we trust. These are people that have content that we like. So you're not about to start hearing ads for Burger King on Still Unbelievable. That's that's not where this is going. Uh, but they are podcasts that we think, uh, secondly, they are podcasts we think you would enjoy. And so you will hear a single spot up front now and then. And it will sound like a commercial for a podcast. That is because it is a commercial for a podcast. But these are all people that that we know and uh, whose audiences we are trying to help grow because in return they are doing the same for us. So there may be podcasts that you're not listening to at the moment. And if you're not, you wouldn't get the sense that this is a shared community where we are getting something in return. You would just think, oh boy, there goes still unbelievable. It's down the drain like other podcasts that didn't used to have advertising and now they do and it's going to get worse. That's not what we're doing. And these these small one-minute spots for these other podcasts, these 60-second spots, are something that we are doing for the community, not for revenue. Right. Um, you know, one day, I mean, this is this is beyond even, you know, what we've talked about privately, but, you know, maybe we have our own podcast network uh, large enough to be considered a network you could call it something like reason radio and you could have um you know maybe 16 to 20 hours worth of podcasting all the time like a like an actual station you know um yeah that would be nice there I are mean, folks doing that right now yeah yeah and then we could monetize the hell out of it uh, <laughs> yeah and and we could have a pizza party once a month it'll be great <laughs> <laughs> I, Look, folks, you know, that's a part of the reality of podcasting <laughs> inside joke. Uh, if you ever run a podcast for a year, you'll get the joke. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, as, as one of the founding members of this network, I'm just wondering why I'm still having to pay for ads. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't, right. Look, I don't understand. I, I, <laughs> so. I'm, I'm with you. Where's my yacht party? I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not getting the long end of the stick on this one for sure. Uh, so here is the topic folks. Let's jump in and thanks for, um, be, I mean, if you're still with us, thanks for being here, uh, this long and, um, for, for the years to come, I want to talk about the evangelistic spirit. Uh, I was going to have a, do a solo show, uh, and just talk about an incident that happened at work. And I realized actually that that's that's a part of a bigger topic that I want to talk about, which is uh, kind of a a Christian privilege and Christian entitlement, the attitude of Christian entitlement, especially in this country, but in other countries as well. And then I realized, well, you know, that bumps right up against a perennial topic that I have, uh, that I do from time to time. And it's probably been a couple of years uh, since I've done this one, and so I have broadened it out to a discussion on the evangelistic spirit 
and why I detest it so much. Uh, and I, I have some rough ideas in my head, but I have not written any notes. I, I don't have a write-up. The way I think about issues is I write and, and then, <laughs> you know, I think as I write. Uh, that's just part of my mechanism. But I didn't do that. Uh, I don't have a list of bullet points. Uh, this is going to possibly be an or unorganized stream of consciousness mess. Or it could be a good show. <laughs> Let's find out. Andrew, um, I am going to tell people what I mostly told you uh, the other day, just to kind of kick it off. But before I do, is there any is there any hot wash that you have about the evangelistic uh, spirit. Oh boy. Where, where to start, where to start on the evangelistic spirit. <laughs> First, I guess, um, I, I have told this on still unbelievable, probably here on SNS. I live in a, uh, extended family community of people who are, uh, highly religious. There's, there's four, conservative evangelical preachers just just in this small group. And so I I live in a community where evangelistic zeal is something that cannot be avoided. And in fact, it was it was such a serious consideration that for uh, the first two and a half or three years uh, of my of my daughter's life, I had to fight daily to keep those people from attempting to trample on parental rights. What do I mean? I don't mean they're about to take us to child protective service or anything like that. These are the people who were looking for opportunities to, to take my daughter uh, while babysitting. And try to indoctrinate her into religion. And in fact, they made no they made no bones about it. They they weren't hiding the fact that if if they had her in private, my wishes about her religious indoctrination came second to their evangelistic zeal. That was very close to a family breaker. And it took them realizing that it was very serious. I would simply cut off ties to prevent that from happening. We will not have a child indoctrinated into religious thought before the person is old enough to think for themselves. Won't happen on my watch. Will not happen. And this evangelistic zeal came very, very close, came very, very close to breaking all of the close family ties that my nuclear family has. Right. Um, and you and I went through that. We've talked about that privately. Yeah, yeah. That's um, there's a that was a rough season. I. Um, I, I remember feeling, you know, pretty bad about it because I was so distant from it. Even if I had been closer, there would, wouldn't have been 
anything I could have done about it, but I, I did feel the, uh, the pressure of that time. And, um, I know that the pressure has somewhat eased now, but I, uh, the knowledge of that tension is going to always be there. And you've always got to be on your guard for when it starts up again, because it will start up again. She's, she's at the age now, you know, where, uh, kids are going into, uh, uh, you know, maybe head start, uh, kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of church programs are aimed specifically at kids that age. And, uh, so, you know, she's got a target on her back still. That's right. It's, uh, it still governs, sadly, it still governs our every interaction. And, and it had, now this, this is the, this is what's so insidious about the evangelistic spirit. Not only does it govern our interactions uh, to, to make sure that they're not trying to indoctrinate my daughter. And by, and by the way, they don't all believe the same things. These, these four, <laughs> these four smaller families that are part of the, the larger family that I'm, that I'm close to. They don't all have the same set of beliefs. You want to talk about a way to <laughs> completely screw a kid up? Uh, but here's the other thing that it did. Because there are cousins here, and because we refuse to allow our daughter to be indoctrinated into religion, she doesn't get to see her cousins because they distrust that we are not indoctrinating my daughter. In other words, they want us to be indoctrinating children into the Christian myth. And because we are not sharing that evangelistic zeal, because we wouldn't do that same thing to their kids, because when their children are with us, we don't discuss church. We, we are not indoctrinating children in any way at all. I'm not indoctrinating them into some you know, uh, church of science or something like that. That's just not what we do. Right. Because we're not doing that. Right. No one has ever knocked on your door and handed you a pamphlet uh, about the good news of no God. Right. It, but, it just doesn't happen. Right. But we're also not when, when their children are around, we don't discuss it. We're, we're not teaching them to distrust what their parents are teaching them. Right. We are we are not going behind. Uh, and would not go behind what their parents are teaching them. Right. I think they're wrong. I, I think they're dead wrong. And, and in fact, I think they're harming their kids with magical thinking. But, but we don't conduct our relationships with those children in a way that would put their parents in doubt. And I will not have those conversations with any child until they're much, much older. We're talking about sort of teenage years when they can organically ask questions about religion uh, from, a, from a place in their lives where they have enough experience and, and enough education to start asking meaningful questions about religion, right? I won't have those conversations with the children. But because we don't, because we're not indoctrinating kids, they distrust us. Right. Um, so there's your evangelism. It's negative on both sides. So we're going to we're going to get to more of this, I I think, but I I I want to say at this point 
uh, and, and I, I will speak of people, uh, whose lives I don't know well as I, as I say this. So there will be room for, um, someone to make, uh, corrections <laughs> when I say this, but by and uh, by and large, I mean, the people that I know pretty well, uh, and I'm extrapolating that to people that I don't know very well are the, the, uh, atheists among us, the ones that you hear on the, uh, inner tubes, um, we are activists online. We are not activists in life. Um, yep. We're just not. And so even in our own homes, we are not talking about atheism. <laughs> Church, uh, religion does not donate that. I, uh, the number of conversations I've had with my wife about church or God or religion uh, are some number fewer than zero. If, if that is possible, uh, she does not listen to my podcasts. She has never read a single thing that I have written and that's not going to change because she doesn't give a tinker's damn. And when I turn the microphone off, uh, and I, you know, I get up from, uh, writing, I don't think about it either. It's not, it's just not what we, uh, talk about or do. And I can, I can almost guarantee not having been a person in Andrew's house for the last few years, that Andrew doesn't talk about religion. He doesn't talk about non-religion. He doesn't talk about God. This is this is a thing that he gets dragged into uh, from time to time. Uh, uh, that's an interruption of his real life. In his real life, un- unless it's something brought up by, you know, his relatives or outsiders, this is not what he's talking about. We are not indoctrinating anybody. We're not bringing this up at work. We're not talking about it on the bus. Uh, we, it's just not a big part of the, the actual life we live. And so Christians, you know, those who are trying to be real Christians, they're very activists in life. We are, we are the opposite from that. <laughs> we are not activists in life at all. And so if you've, if you've gotten this idea that just because, you know, we do these shows and spend a lot of time doing this and, you know, this is, this is our polemic that you think that this is the major driver of our life, you haven't a clue. It, it, it's not one single part of the real way that we live our lives. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, if, if I can avoid a religious conversation in my day-to-day life, my, my life, off mic. I avoid it. Uh, and and the only time, the only time I have those conversations, and, and I think I think if people go back and listen to, to the still unbelievable episodes when I talk about this, they'll they'll find me saying, you know, I I I was drug into the conversation kicking and screaming. Right? Uh, it is a there's a some set of social pressures that were unavoidable. Uh, where they're where they're following me around in public, insisting that I talk to them about this kind of subject, or or the person wants to heal me in public. Yes, folks, there's <laughs> at least two episodes about this. Um, and and these are not interactions, not interactions that I want to have. But this damned evangelistic zeal. This idea that that this person has a mission and that I'm part of their saving mission is so consuming to them 
that I get followed around to, to talk about a thing that I genuinely have no interest in talking about on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, honestly, during the fall, uh, the thing Andrew and I talk about more than anything else is football. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, now there's your evangelistic zeal now. <laughs> <laughs> because I will talk to you about some sports. But <laughs> but oh, but see, David, that's your God. See, now we now we know it's not it's not money, it's not God, it's football. That's, well, but it's only it's only a God for like three months out of the year. So. <laughs> 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 I mean, I don't even have a jersey. Uh, so we had, uh, interestingly enough, uh, the other day we had a jersey day at work uh, where you you just wear your favorite jersey. I had no jersey <laughs> to wear. I don't so, have one either. Um, <laughs> I'm not even a good football fan because I don't spend money on the paraphernalia. I don't uh, bet. I, I just talk about it <laughs> and watch the game. So... Uh, but there, that's not the only thing that happened at work, uh, on Jersey day. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm at my station doing my thing. Now, uh, most of you know, by now, although you probably let it flow from your mind because it's not important. Uh, I work for the state of Mississippi, uh, doing a, doing a job. It doesn't matter what job I'm doing. It's just a job. It's not, it's not interesting, uh, at all. Uh, I'm a state employee. I am owned by Mississippi. <laughs> that may have always been true <laughs> on some level. Uh, we are all owned by our states. Um, I, I am leaving the potential jokes on the table. I'm, I'm yeah, leaving just, them there. Walk I'm... away. Walk away, man. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so I'm doing my job. I'm doing my thing. I only, I only mention the fact that I work for the state uh, because you might have some sense of what state rules in in work environments are like uh those of you who work in other countries uh, you may not have states but you still have government jobs that have you know government rules and government uh, restrictions i bet they're not terribly different uh and so one of those rules that's fairly codified uh now for a number of years is that you cannot do any religious proselytizing uh, at work. Uh, for And there are a, a number of reasons why that's there, but it's also in the handbook uh, and so forth. It's part of the rules. But it's a rule that Christians don't feel like it, it applies to them. They don't. They don't think it applies to them. And so... I'm doing my thing at my station, and after a series of um, of uninteresting events, the person in front of me uh, turns around, actually gets up and walks over to my station, thinking that uh, you know they had an avenue of consolation that they that I needed some kind of consolation of, of some kind, which I didn't. But they they thought that I did, and so they they wanted to you know be uh be a good neighbor a good southern neighbor and um give me some words of encouragement and consolation and they started it this way uh let me tell you about a thing that happened to me 
recently, blah, 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 Jesus. And at that point, I knew it was coming, so it, it's not like I was a big shock. <laughs> I said, let me stop you right there. I'm going to have to stop you right there. I do not appreciate uh, you bringing up religion here. This is a workplace is not uh, appropriate. I don't need a sermon. I don't need to hear about Jesus. I don't need to be preached at. Uh, I am I am actually good. Again, not appropriate here. So let's let's get back to work. And he stops for a second, as if to process, as if a computer is rebooting after an era. And he says, "I I hear you. I understand." So let me let me just uh, uh, continue telling you about Jesus, and I literally that, that and I and I said, "Okay, I'm going to stop you right there again," <laughs> and I had to be even more forceful of how inappropriate this was. I need you to turn around and never try to preach at me. Uh, we're at work; it's against the rules. Uh, you, you've been, you've been told he finally did get the point and stop, but this is, this guy is not atypical. This is a typical kind of guy in a typical kind of situation where he, and this is not a person who didn't know or understand the rules. He, he knows and understands the rules and he knew what he was doing, but I don't think he has ever received any pushback. Uh, when he's talked about Jesus to somebody. I think this was maybe a first time, a first encounter for him, and he didn't know what to do with it. But part of this Christian entitlement is that he has the right to push his religion at work. Now, once again, it was one of these fake kind of, oh, this is a person in need. I'm going to pretend to be their friend and preach Jesus to them. Fuck! I, I don't know if I can say that uh, when our shows get joined. They're not joined yet. Fuck you uh, is is what I really wanted to say. Um, and that's, I'm going to tell you folks, uh, Christians, any, any Christians listening to this, when you do that sort of thing, that's what we're always thinking. We may not say it. That's what we're always thinking. Um, you're not fooling anyone we're not your friend. You're not our friend. You're not helping us. You're not concerned about us. You just see an evangelistic opportunity. And I'm, I'm here to shut that down for you. But I, I was just, I was just particularly annoyed that day though, because, um, it just, it, it just struck me how much privilege Christians feel like they have and how much entitlement they have, and that the rules don't apply to them because they're religious and they're doing it for Jesus. And when you're doing something for Jesus, well, you ought to be uh, God rather than man. And so if I need to tell you about Jesus in a place where it's illegal, screw the law. Um, and so right. and I, I just, I'm I just gonna... wanted to vomit that out. I, I'm, I'll give you the floor for a minute, Andrew, while I get myself back in order. Well, I'm, I'm just picturing the scene and because I, because we, uh, our friends IRL, um, we've talked about this and here's a question I didn't ask, but I, 
but I have a feeling I know the answer. Uh, I'm guessing this wasn't anywhere close to, to any kind of, of break either, right? No. I mean, this is, this is, no. this is actually <laughs> using uh, what is commonly a work period, right? Uh, right. I mean, this is, look, this is him getting up from his station and walking over to my station while I am trying to work. <laughs> right. And, and so there, there is actually a thing going on there that should, that should be objectionable, separate, separate from this sort of workplace evangelism. But because Christian zeal and the Christian need to evangelize is so common, this person gets away with both. Right. He, he would never get in trouble at work for doing that. I, I can, I can pretty much assure it. If I had brought it up to a supervisor, which I thought about for about three microns of a second, um, if I had brought it up to a supervisor, they would have nodded and, uh, you know, made soothing noises in the right places because they have to, yep. but they would have thought less of me and not him. Right. I, right. I would have simply been putting myself in a compromising situation. Right. Because their, right. their thought would mean, what do you, what do you, uh, what are you, some kind of atheist? You, you, you know, that's, right. that's really how that would have uh, worked out. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, this, this evangelist, you now, it was interesting. There was a, a part of this conversation that you and I had uh, a couple of days ago that that I found particularly telling about uh, evangelistic zeal. There are places in the United States where that wouldn't have been tolerated. A, a similar work environment, for instance, in the Northeast, you wouldn't have run into that. Now, no. it might be because there are fewer Christians. It might be because there are different kinds of Christians. It might be because... Uh, you know, workplace policies are actually being enforced. The thing in the handbook matters, but, but whatever the, whatever the, the set of circumstances are that would exist, you wouldn't face it in, in a state that is not similar to Mississippi. Yeah. I mean, if you're in New York, for instance, uh, you've got a, a pretty high concentration of uh, Orthodox Jews. Uh, Jews do not typically bother you to tell you the good news of Yahweh. That's not, <laughs> that's not, uh, that's just not how they do it. Um, Muslims. You think it's because they read their Old Testament? Oh, no. sorry. That's probably. <laughs> no, they have, yeah. but that's not it. <laughs> um, uh, Muslims are, are more evangelistic. Uh, you know, they, their, their um, ideas is a little bit more similar to Christianity in, in the way they evangelize. So mm -hmm. I, I wanted to bring in uh, my own, my own um, history with evangelism. And uh, maybe, you know, if there's some part of that uh, that you, you want to talk about in your history, you can share that here. But, um, you know, in terms of karma, I deserve what I get because I, <laughs> I used to be that person. <laughs> so uh, I have been there. Uh, I get it. That said, I'm, I don't think I would have ever been that person in a workplace. Uh, and that's when I was preaching. I, I would have never sure. been the kind of person who tried to do that in a, in a work environment. Uh, 
that's not how how I would have done it. But I've done my share of door knocking. In fact, um, long before I did sales, and I had, uh, as many of you know, a, a pretty good career uh, in sales uh, once upon a time. My first experience with sales was evangelism. And even though Christians don't call it sales, it's sales. And uh, I started when I was a, a kid, a small kid. I would be on evangelistic teams sometimes, and you know we would learn the various ways to sell our religion and uh, go door to door in groups. And you know we were trained uh, particularly to to do this. There was a phase when uh, I did Jewel Miller. Uh, videos. I know that you know Jewel Miller. I think that's the, the name. Um, these um, these Church of Christ uh, evangelistic videos that you do in a household. I think they were slideshows, in fact. Um, I can't remember the machine that, <laughs> that you used to use for those. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I learned how to interact with strangers to sell them either on and here's here's the product that I'm selling. Uh, we can do a home Bible study with you for a few weeks. And so you, you try to get your foot in the door and get that. That's kind of the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate sale. Uh, a step down from that sale would just uh, get them to come to church and visit some week. Uh, and then, you know, the preacher and whatever evangelistic Committees might mm -hmm. be involved, can take over from there. Um, you know, mm -hmm. maybe the lesser sale is, well, you know, we've got, we're here in your community and we just want you to know that uh, we're there. And if you ever need anything, uh, you can come to call. So, I mean, there, there are different right. levels of this sale. Right. But because was, we're afraid you missed our billboard and our giant church and the steeple and the, and the mailings. Well, and, and the, 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 the loudspeakers that we have outside right. the door. To, right. <laughs> we're, we're afraid that you missed all of that, and you missed the the uh, in, in some in some denominations you missed our car wash. Right? Yeah. You missed, yeah, you, you you missed, missed the bake sale. sale. Mm -hmm. You missed our trunk or treat at, at Halloween. You you missed our Christmas. Uh, you missed our Christmas pageant. We we we're afraid you've missed all of this. So we just wanted you to know we were. Here. Right. And in uh, in the Churches of Christ, we didn't have a lot of those things. We did have bake sales from time to time. Um, but the Christmas uh, shows, we're, we're a little light on the Christmas shows. A little, little light on. But that, that didn't mean that we didn't have radio programs. Oh, yeah. yeah. My, my father used to do a radio show before church. Every Sunday, he would go to the radio station. It was called The Bible Speaks. And uh, he... Uh, he preached that show for years. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, I remember uh, that he did. And yeah, you know, uh, we, there's, there's, I'm sorry, there's something that's, there's something that's sort of tickling me at the moment. It's, it's the idea that uh, we want you to know that we specifically, our denomination, our church, the place that wants your dollars, we want you to know that we specifically are here for you because, hey, in the great Southeast, you've probably missed the Christian message. Yeah, yeah. You uh, <laughs> have you heard the good news of Jesus? Um, and uh, and no, we, no, I missed it. Tell, tell me. We had to differentiate ourselves somehow from 
the four churches across the street from us. <laughs> you know, that, so. look, that's right. By, by the way, in some places, three of which were Church of Christ. Oh, sure, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it is not, in fact, uncommon in Tennessee to have a street corner with four churches of the same denomination. <laughs> so. and, 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 uh, and, and we're the good one of them. Just so you know, those, those other people, they split off from us because they, well, they were, they're doing something wrong. Yeah. We're here for you on behalf of this particular church congregation and not those other congregations. Uh, yes, we want you, we want to bring you to Christ, but we want to bring you to Christ in our congregation. (laughs) So, uh, you know, our particular franchise. Right. And, and then there are, (laughs) folks, I I kid you not, and this is true, in every denomination I've ever been closely associated with, far too many for me to want to talk about, there are actually books printed up of churches you can trust. And, And it's not the full list of churches that are carrying the same name on the sign. Yeah. Yeah. Um... What was that? Um, what was that list, Shepherd? Saints and where to find them? Uh, oh yeah, no, no. There's, there's that. I'm thinking about the one though that listed Christian businesses. Um, no, baby. I can't there, remember. There, there is one. Hold on, I'm going to come up with it. Yeah, uh, I know uh, what you're talking about. It's it, um, it listed it listed Christian and I believe it was specifically Church of Christ businesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, you know, they're, owned owned or run by members of the Church of Christ. But once again, you know, which sect or branch of the Church of Christ <laughs> might be, um, uh, you know, I, that that business may have listed more people than just a handful because you know advertising dollars and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, it was it was never, you know, our evangelism to be clear was never a general call. For you to put your faith in Jesus, and and then you know attach yourself to a local church. It wasn't the Billy Graham message. Right. It was right. the very specific uh, put your faith in Jesus, uh, and our church represents the way to put your faith in Jesus, kind of thing. Right. The very serious message. It's like it sounds like I'm kidding when I when I say it out loud, but this really was the message. Uh, we believe we're the only ones going to heaven, and we don't believe all of us are going. Right. No, well, we would say that directly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, when you're, if you're listening on a podcast, right, it, it sounds like something that people wouldn't say potentially, but th- this is a, this is really what we thought. Yeah. Yeah. Just, we, we, we it's did. A, it's a true we story. Did. Uh, there was, um, I was visiting uh, a large, fairly uh, progressive uh, church. I want to say it was in uh, Huntsville. I uh, can't remember uh, the name. It was the it was the Madison Road. Maybe? No, no, no. They're not liberal. Um, no, um, they are now. Uh, so I've heard. So right. so I've heard. They're they're not going to be as liberal as it was. Twickingham Station. No, not Twickingham. That's a. Uh, anyway, it does it doesn't matter. Uh, they were a church that had multiple services. Uh, I don't know if they would have been quite a mega church, but they were they were over a thousand members. Uh, in fact, they may have had more like fifteen hundred to two thousand 
members on the roll. I guess that would make them a, a, a mega church. Um, Certainly by Church Christ standards. And um, they uh, they had a guest. No, it wasn't a guest preacher, but it wasn't the the regular preacher there. And uh, he started off his sermon by saying, "This is a church of about six hundred people, about six hundred members." And he said that to a church whose membership was about two thousand. But his point, as he was making, was, "Yeah, we got uh-huh. more. We got more people on the rolls." But really, we only have about 600 members. <laughs> and um, where, where I went to church, we'd have thought that was a remarkably generous estimate, too. And yeah. I know some of the places that you went to church, yep. and they would have thought it was generous, too. Yeah. But that's, I mean, we, um, you know, we're, we were <clears throat> big on the idea of only us and not all of us. <laughs> yep. So, uh, you know, uh, one, of the, one of our favorite observations was Jesus called 12 uh uh, disciples and one of those was a devil. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. Even even Jesus couldn't get a hundred percent. So, you know, back in the day, uh, I was I was familiar with that saying too, right? Uh, but I had another thought. I don't know if I ever expressed it out loud. I probably did, but lost in the midst of time. Um, one of my thoughts was one of them was the devil, and look at how many others were totally forgettable. <laughs> so right uh right look at look at the number of them who actually did anything interesting enough with their faith so that it was written down in the bible <laughs> right. never never right. mind extra biblical sources the bible you got you got jesus he's got these 12 uh people special people has been following them all around you would think that the book of acts would be filled <laughs> with those stories they are not. <laughs> so, so, so we did say this out loud uh, in in some of the theology classes. That uh, we we tried to create evangelistic zeal by saying, "Look, look at how much service is required. Look at how we didn't use word service in those days, as you know. Look at how much you have to do to demonstrate your faith to to get God." to recognize you at the level of a, of a Paul or a Peter or even of a James or a Jude, right? Look, imagine what is required. And of course, all of that was to instill this sort of uh, cult devotion, right? Right. And, and so we did talk about it that way. I'm, I, am, I am sure that, uh, that you did too, and if you didn't do it directly, there were plenty of people around you doing it. Look at look at how much you have to do with your life to be a Peter or a Paul. Yeah, well, I, I must say it was it was only later in life when I had the realization that um, you know most of these cats uh, that followed Jesus around were never mentioned again in any in any way that matters. Um, you, you read the Book of Acts, you get you get to Acts nineteen, and you get this uh, this this dude called Apollo. Apollo gets a better mention than most of the apostles. <laughs> Apollo wasn't one of them. Um, Bartholomew's got to be sitting around somewhere saying, "What am I chopped liver?" <laughs> I mean, <laughs> James, James the Less is thinking, "What do you got to do, man?" <laughs> I just, I just reattached a man's head. That didn't even get written down. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, well, and and then you you got to sort of wonder if if any of the apocryphal. Uh, if any of the apocryphal K 
cannon should have been actually included, right? What if what if those people felt like they were shortchanged, right? Look, <laughs> I I followed the whole score. I did everything. I followed the whole checklist, and and they still didn't put me in the book. You know who, who's going to resent that on on this supposed judgment day, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. So look back back to the subject. I, it, it's so easy to get swallowed up in the past. Um. Evangelistically speaking, I was indoctrinated not just to be a Christian, a certain kind of Christian, but also to be an evangelist, uh, to be a salesman, a part of the, 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 the denominational sales force uh, that I was in. So I do understand it. I do understand the mindset of people who leave pamphlets, say, on public transportation. Uh, you know, we had, we had pamphlets, you know, we did, we did tracks and pamphlets all the time. Um, I understand the mindset of the person who sidles up to you when you're on a park bench feeding the ducks and, uh, they start with a, you know, a test conversation, you know, nice, great weather we're having. Uh, I see the ducks are out today. Um, you know, you can just kind of, if you're in the South, you can count the seconds, not even minutes, before religion comes up. Uh, because that's 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 what that's about. I understand the mindset because I've I've I learned how to do that and I've I've done that sort uh, of thing. So I do get it, but it's bad. Uh, it's terrible to turn your kids into salespeople for your cult. Yes. Uh, oh boy. That's that's a bad that's a thing. And frankly, it's bad when you do it as an adult, but when you have your kids doing it too, you know, at school, uh, you know, to try to fake some friendships so that you can, you know, get kids into your youth group or whatever it is you're doing, you're doing a bad thing uh to your children when you when you do that and you should really ask yourself serious questions such as why does god need my children to to advertise for him yes i was you talked about ducks in the park and as you know that's one of the places uh my daughter and i go right when hey, we go to a park that we have this in common we love a good park <laughs> Right. And there are a, a couple of, of, of little boys, uh, by little, I mean, uh, six years old, they're, they're twins and they are there on occasion. And the, the first time I met these little boys, one of them ran up to me and said, do you know Jesus? He goes to a little, private school uh, here in town. <clears throat> and that is what they are teaching these kids. And I cannot, and, and I mean this, I genuinely cannot imagine a worse thing to train these children to do. I, I can't imagine a worse thing to train them to do within the bounds of normal. Okay, I, right. I realize that teaching them to poke people with hat pins is some you know, in some cosmic cookie sense, you know, okay, yes, 
that's worse. So hopefully the listeners aren't listening with, with quite that kind of ear. Okay. But you know, if you, if you want your child to develop good social relationships, this isn't, this isn't even the thing to do among relatively devoted Christians. Well, it's, it's just, um, it's a thing that to me shows the weakness of your God and not the strength. Uh, because, you know, your God needs, you know, that kid over there to become a salesman. That kid doesn't even know multiplication yet. <laughs> and, right. uh, but, but your God cannot get his message to that yeah. other person unless that kid uh, goes and, and sells. But, I, you know, once again, I did it. Uh, Dick and I, uh, we used to go uh, door knocking uh, near every weekend. Uh, in fact, we, we do uh, weekdays. We did a lot. Uh, were you ever a door-to-door Christian, Christian salesman? Uh, oh, yes. Did you ever try that? Yeah. Uh, boy, did we encounter some interesting things <laughs> in our journeys. <laughs> so you will remember the area in Montgomery down close to the Capitol. Yeah. Okay. So I took, I, look, the, the, the listeners, they'll have a hard time appreciating this. Uh, folks, not a good area. Like, like many, like many capitals, the area around the capital is, is sometimes economically depressed. Happens quite a lot. Don't know what the factors are for that, but it does happen. Think about every street in, uh, in a city, every city with a street called Martin Luther King Street, Martin Luther King Boulevard, something like any Martin Luther King. And this is a terrible legacy for the van. It's a bad neighborhood <laughs> where Martin Luther King runs down. I don't care what city it is in America. It's a bad neighborhood. <laughs> so. Right. So I took a group of elementary and middle high students into that area to door knock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's where you, that's where you go. That's where you cut your teeth. But... Today, I would to, today I would object to the to the earlier me, and and it is because I realize uh, there's no God keeping you safe. And and yes, we got out of there with all kids intact. Although, although uh, we did have at least two incidents of people inviting just the girls mm. into work? their house. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, because I did have a rule uh, with, if, if a group was going to split up, there had to be an adult with every group. Yeah. And that was a, okay, love, come on, I'll help you. Um, okay. Then you don't need my help. Do you? <laughs> Yeah, I, I found myself in houses uh, when I didn't have any adult with me. But I, I mean, that's 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 kind of what I did, and it was what I was trained to do. I was one of the one of the better people who who did it. I mean, I'm a, um, I mean, by the time I grew up and became a salesman, I already had the tools <laughs> that I right. that I needed for that. Um, 
So let's um, let's switch gears just slightly because I I want to I want to maybe get underneath what's behind this evangelistic spirit. Uh, maybe di- dissect it a little bit, uh, and maybe discover some of why it bothers me so much. Uh, so I'm going to start with a place that I have uh, talked about before, uh, but I think it's worth talking about again. Part of my problem with the, with the evangelistic spirit and what I think is going on underneath it is that uh, the Christians have a worldview that states there is something wrong with the world. And you, stranger yeah. that I don't know, there's most likely something wrong with you. And, and until I know that you are a part of my cult, then I am going to think of you as an outsider and an evildoer. Uh, now, normally I wouldn't do this. There's a there's a post on uh, the board where I was uh, having a conversation. Well, it wasn't a conversation. McIntyre was having a conversation with someone else. It was a reasonable enough conversation, so I'm not uh, saying there was anything wrong with it. But uh, he made a statement that I felt obligated to <laughs> butt in on uh, with skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com if you want to uh, butt in on some conversations. Uh, about this kind of stuff. Skeptics and Secrets at gmail.com. If you want to just have that conversation with me, that's fine. But he said something to the effect uh, that uh, there is no best human. There's only the least worst human. And I, uh, I, chimed in and said, that's a very bleak view of humanity. And uh, there, there wasn't uh, much uh, conversation to, to go after that. But that's, that is the thing that I think is behind, or part of the thing that I think is behind uh, this evangelistic spirit. And part of what I know is in the minds of fundamentalist Christians, because they're taught to believe this, is that humanity is mostly bad. People are generally bad, evil, maybe irredeemably de- depraved in some way. And so there, there is none good, no, not one. And so, you know, if you see a person, it you're looking at a sinner in need of a savior, and thankfully God put you in the spot where you see that sinner and you can go and offer them the good news of how miserable a creature they are. For the Christian, everybody's bad, and so everybody needs evangelizing. Right. I, look, this this is a thing that when I figured this is, there are lots of paths that start to lead out of Christianity. Sometimes they turn back on themselves and you, you find yourself starting over and that sort of thing. But, but this, this was an, another big one for me. When you realize that, that people aren't actually broken, right? They're just, they're just people. They're, they're not broken. They're, they're not somehow uh, uh, inherently evil or inherently good or whatever denomination you, you choose to, to be following, right? Whatever, whatever dogma is yours. When, 
when you find a, a place in your mind to, to realize that that human beings are just that they're human and and when you don't need anything else uh, to describe us then then you're in a place to start explaining the the world around you in in uh, a way that doesn't require magic it it uh, sometimes in, uh, requires deep investigation, right? There's, 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 a, there's a lot more work to do um, when you don't believe in magic. There's a lot more work to do. But what it does is give you a better view of the person standing next to you in line or sitting next to you on a bus or living next to you as your neighbor. When you have a worldview that doesn't, that doesn't require you to see them as damaged first, things get better. Right. Um, and that's, this is what's pushing the evangelistic spirit and a lot of other things uh, along the way. But if you, if you think about how much stress this has to cause the Christian, this worldview. Every person that they see that they don't already know, they have to assume that that is a person who doesn't know God and is going to hell. Whatever hell means, whatever version of hell they believe in. You see a stranger, your immediate thought is that's an unredeemed sinner and they're going to go to hell. Unless I intervene, unless somebody intervenes. The first part of that, though, requires a little bit more examination. Because every stranger that you meet is not a lost sinner, even, even in the Christian point of view. You might be looking at another Christian who believes pretty much the same thing you do, and who goes to church uh, two neighborhoods away from where your church is. But you, your automatic view of them is that they're a lost sinner. That's the default, that they're a sinner. And Christianity offers no magic, uh, never mind spirits knowing spirits, being able to discern spirits, never mind that. They have no magic that allows them to look at another person and see, oh yes, this person is filled with the Spirit of God. I don't need to evangelize them. I don't need to knock on that door. Uh, or to know that this person has just uh, had someone preaching Jesus and they have rejected it, but you don't you don't know that. You don't have that discernment. Uh, and so you go back again. So the default for the Christian, because they're flying blind, is that everyone they meet needs some evangelistic dose of Jesus. Uh, and, it, and it seems to me that if, if Christianity had half of the, the, the gas that it was, you know, supposed to have, you would already know Christians who to go to and who not to go to. You would already know that, but you don't. Uh, in fact, when I was, uh, when I was a Christian living in the South, I was just as annoyed by evangelistic people as I am not a Christian because I would still get evangelized all the time. 
by people who did not realize I was a Christian. <laughs> so, um, did you, uh, did you ever have this, uh, realization, this, this thought and how, just how stressful life has to be knowing that, or, or thinking that every person you meet is probably going to hell and that you may be the only person who can save them. So you've got to do something. And so there's the stress there. And then if you don't do something, then you feel guilty for, for not doing something. Uh, you, you know what, you know what I'm talking about? I know you do. I, I do. And, uh, it had a see. This is, this is one of those. This is one of those animals that has fangs in its mouth and stings in its tail, right? <laughs> this, is, this is one of those kinds of creatures because it it made me do a, a really unfortunate thing. Um, you you want somebody badly to go to heaven, right? And and so somebody in this case, I'm presuming somebody, you know, somebody close to me, right? So you really want them to go to heaven. And and you evangelize and evangelize and evangelize and and they shut you down and shut you down and shut you down. And at some point, the thing in the tale is that you can you can no longer see them as human or or as or as uh, as someone you can have a relationship with. Right at, at some point, they're so broken that you have to withdraw. Right. And this is this is, in other words, <laughs> evangelism breaks human relationships. And it happened with me more, um, uh, more than I would like to detail on Mike. Right. Um, you see, the thing is when, when you get evangelized, uh, and I'm, I'm going to use this person at work as an example, whatever relationship we had, we're never going to have that again, because now I'm the person that doesn't want to hear about Jesus. That's, that's the person, that's who I am to them and to whoever they tell their side of the story to. Yep. Uh, and so, uh, not a good employee anymore, not a, not an affable person who minds their own business and, uh, does a good job. Oh, that's that guy who hates Jesus. You, for that kind of Christian relationship is impossible after that. And the only thing that this person cares to do is either to save me or avoid me because I am the spawn of the devil. But again, that's, that's how religion teaches you to think about your fellow human beings. Yeah. So there's that, there's that aspect of, um, you know, seeing everybody kind of as a target, uh, a sales target for your religion in this bleak outlook that, that everybody is a bad person somehow, or, you know, there are no good people, just, just less bad people. Um, I, I honestly don't know how you make it through your life, uh, with that actually. And it, don't you, don't you feel at some point your own, um, arrogance and elitism doesn't that get through somewhere where you think somehow you are in a better position than they are metaphysically you know you are a saved sinner i mean christians will say yes i'm a sinner but i'm a saved sinner um you know i've got a relationship with jesus you've got you've got this special relationship with the universe in some way that makes you 
uh, a part of the family of God and other people are not. And you feel you feel like somehow you've got this advantage over the vast majority of humans who have ever lived and who live today, that you are somehow different and special. Don't you ever feel that um, there's a problem <laughs> with that? Don't you, don't you see that? Because even me growing up that way at some point, okay, granted, it may have been in my late 20s, I started to realize how bad that was. I started to feel that that elitism uh, that I had within me, that I'm saved, you're not, and you need me somehow. You need me. I have managed to avoid the foul, evil uh, stench of a life that you have. <laughs> and and um, so, therefore, in some way, I am better than you. Uh, I know no Christian would say that, but that's that's kind of what they have to think in order to do the evangelism thing, you know. Um, and they can use all kinds of analogies. I'll shut up here in a minute. I'm just—I told you this is going to be a stream of consciousness. You can use all kinds of analogies, like, uh, "Look, you were on fire, and I was just—I just came to help put you out." Okay, so somehow you felt yeah. like you were metaphysically not on fire, but that everyone else was on fire. It, no matter how you put it, it doesn't actually change the fact that you were an arrogant little prick. And at some point you have to recognize the fact of your own elitism uh, that you've invented in your mind. Hopefully. So I, I went, I went through plenty of this. Ho hopefully some of this is not a reflection on religion, but just on what it means to grow up. Right. And, and so it, it might be that regardless of whatever my worldview was, uh, you know, if in, if in some sense it was possible for me to be different, right, in, in some libertarian sense, if I didn't adopt the, the fundamentalism that I adopted and I could have been, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe I was a, you know, maybe I was an atheist, right? Hopefully, uh some of this is just what it means to grow up because I'm, I might have been the kind of insufferable atheist that occasionally I'm accused of being, okay, even now, but but uh, probably worse as a as a teenager and a young adult, right? The 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 air superiority, the uh, the idea that that I had the world pinned down in some in some sense that the people around me couldn't see because of some inadequacy on their part. And, and so I hope that some of this is just what it means to grow up, but I'm absolutely positive that some of this is trained in by religion. So uh, this is going to end up <coughs> running a little bit shorter with fewer topics than I want it to have, but my voice is on the way out. <laughs> so, well, And um, I'm on the end, by the way, I've, I'm, I've, I've hit a wall. So. All right. So I'm I'm going to release you uh, with that. Uh, I just just a couple of really quick uh, final thoughts. Um, so the evangelistic spirit uh, also tells a person not just that you know every almost everybody that you see is 
is in a lower position than you, but that you somehow have the answer. You've got the answer to pretty much any problem that anyone is is facing. And of course, the answer is Jesus to whatever question it is. Uh, And you've got the answer and they don't. And if they just uh, give you a few minutes of uh, their time, you can fix it all. Uh, Jesus is the answer. Uh, How do do you feel about that? Jesus is the answer. Uh, Kind of. (laughs) Um, So let me, let me come at that uh, from the side because something struck me that, 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 that I just find amusing. Right. So, so there's this, there's this, this God, right. And, and presumably he knows what people need, right? He he knows who can influence whom, right? He's he's good enough to to know uh, that that there's somebody out there that can bring a message and use the right words and 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 sway my thinking, right? And uh, it's it's funny, it's funny just how often that God is wrong. <laughs> okay, so a, a much better point. Um, I. Uh, that's that's that point is worth two points actually. So, um, I'll I'll take them. I'll, I'll, I'll well, take you them. you need them. Um, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I that is. Um, I don't think I would have a problem with evangelism at all if it was targeted in such a way that it only went to people who would respond positively to it. You know sure. that would, it, that I mean, would require. They, knocked, they wouldn't knock on your door otherwise, right? Right. You, you would get the. They would be who you needed when the person knocked on your door. There'd be a track record. There'd right. be a legit track record, and you'd say, "Well, this is this is what I need." It would also be but a it, positive and strong proof of uh, the Christian God existing. I, I think. I think it would be a very strong uh, evidential uh, portion of it, anyway. If they could say, yeah, our evangelism is 100% successful because God tells us where we need to go and what we need to say. I'll help. Say that last sentence again. I'm sorry. I'm being, uh, I'm being asked to perform a service. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Uh, it, it is um, that it would be a, a strong evidence for the existence of their God if they could say our evangelism is 100% uh, because Everyone we talk to is the, exactly the person who needs to hear exactly what we have to say, and God gives us the words to say when we meet him. Uh, you know, if that were true, if that could be demonstrated, and I think it would be demonstrable if it was true, I would I would feel like, yeah, that's pretty good evidence that your God exists. But the sure. fact that you're doing this scattershot sales approach to everybody hoping that you might get some at least weak acceptance from one person uh, means that you don't have any power, any more power behind your evangelism than I did when I was selling uh, water treatment systems. And for the record, I was way more successful at that than sales of, of evangelism, <laughs> I, might, I might add. Right. It's, and, and in that way. It's surprising. Okay. Okay, I will. In it's 
it's it's a more it's remarkable how often the God is not only wrong about uh, the the right evangelist approaching the right person, right? I mean, I, I ask you Christians to think of of these large healing services, a la Benny Hinn. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, most people will know who. Okay, baby, give me just a second, but I'm going to help you. I promise. <laughs> because because I'm a windbag. That's why. <laughs> do, do never call your father a windbag. Uh, but when this is over, uh, little one, I would like to talk to you about Vacation Bible School. Uh, so just ne- never, never going to happen. <laughs> okay. Never going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Now, I'm just saying, why are you a windbag? <laughs> Because that's how God made me. <laughs> no, look, look, there's there's a point here. So so you go to a large a large healing service, a la Benny Hinn, right? Yeah. And 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 let's say let's say you're having a really good night, and you got thirty people healed, and there are five thousand people there. But you know the other the other four thousand nine hundred and seventy people didn't have any ailments. You know, right? Yeah, no, that's actually a good point. <laughs> that's one, one that I haven't really thought about. So, uh, so it, how often does he have to get it wrong? How often does your God, you know, his his accuracy percentage is is so low? And, yeah, and it's just okay. So, look, I there will be more uh, that I have to say in comments, and I might do a write up. Might do a write up. Uh, I got a minor procedure tomorrow. It was supposed to be Friday. It got moved, so we'll we'll see what happens here. But um, my closing thought here to to let you go, uh, and mostly for your daughter's sake, uh, because because she needs things, <laughs> and uh, uh, I am I'm glad that you're there to be able to to focus on that. Um, but it would be this uh, one of the things that I find in my own psyche that that kind of pisses me off about the whole idea of evangelism. And maybe this will undermine everything that I have to say for, for people, but that's fine. Here's a, here's a look into my brain. Uh, if God gave you the good news, put it in your heart, spoke to you, appeared to you in a vision, whatever he did to you to make you so sure that you would come to me to tell me, then my question is, why didn't he just come to me directly the same way he came to you? Why why were you granted the real proof and all I get is your testimony? You get to believe based on a properly basic belief and an internal witness of the Holy Spirit a census divinitatis encounter. You get to believe based on that, but I get to believe based on you telling me about that. You see, that is inherently unfair. And I am going to naturally disbelieve your story, or at least not believe your story, not accept it, because you're telling me about a personal encounter that you had, and yet, God wants me to believe, but he doesn't give me that encounter. Either he's, uh, uh, either he didn't give it to you or he's a dick because he didn't give it to me. 
and if he, how dare him, how dare him judge me and send me to some kind of hell because I disbelieved on a different basis than he gave others to believe. He gave others a vision. He came and had tea with others, had fish with others. But for me, all I get is your goddamn stupid cockamamie story. Fuck you. So, so there's something, boy, there's there's something in that that I find. There's something in this that I really think is worth exploring. And and I hope that we get to explore it more. But you, you were talking about census diminutives. Okay. And and so people get to form their properly basic beliefs on that. Well, surely, uh, in some sense, I get to form my lack of belief without it. Now, I, I know what the I know what the the counter arguments are, but let me make let me make a different argument. So you so you might say the lack of the lack of evidence of of your own is not evidence of a lack for someone else. Okay, fine. But if if you are if you are somewhat convinced by your own experience, surely that cannot be the thing that closes the gap between 99% certainty and 100% certainty. And here is why. We don't have it unless you simply believe that we are lying and that that in in, in actual reality, uh, we've had those experiences and we're just not telling the truth. In some sense, the fact that everyone didn't have this experience should lead you to believe that you can be wrong. And so I have I have had this argument about reproducible events and only getting to a certain percent uh, to to some high degree of certainty that is not a hundred percent. And then you have this personal experience that closes the gap. I find that to be faulty reasoning because there is a group that has not not just experiences, but strong experiences, the kind that Christians are arguing for that convinced them 100%, right? And there are, there are all, all of us have strong experiences. We can use the same language today to describe those experiences as you do, your experience, and yet we are not convinced of a God. And so I am making a counter argument for those of you who claim this 100% belief because we all have strong experiences. Not all of us think there's a God. So I'm going to I'm going to let it go that knowing that this is going to continue in in the comments that I do have a, a series of shows planned that I haven't talked much about because it, it's been scheduling issues with the one that I'm uh, doing the shows with, but that is coming. Uh, and so I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to add a close to the close to the close. Like, like we did the last <laughs> we'll time. We'll be here all day. Um, but 
yeah, I just I I would like to see uh, some comments on that from Christians in particular. I know that there are Christians who listen to this podcast, or from uh, former Christians, or maybe from uh, uh, atheists who don't feel the same way uh, that I do. But I, I do personally, I do feel a sense of personal offense when someone asks me to believe based on their testimony, which is exactly what's happening when evangelism happens. It's someone telling you about Jesus. Uh, when they have somehow, you know, they will tell you, have somehow experienced Jesus. Uh, and all I, all I want from that encounter is to have the same experience that they had. And um, if, the only, if the only thing I get is that person telling me about Jesus, uh, they can screw themselves and their God can screw, screw himself. Um, and, and if that's a bad attitude, if that's wrong, <laughs> uh, hit me, skepticsseekers.squarespace.com. Uh, Andrew, do you and Matt have anything coming up um, show-wise that we need to be looking out for? Uh, nothing, nothing particularly uh, special. You know, we've got we've got the usual show uh, lineup. No, no um, guests on the schedule at the moment that will have names that you know books that people have read that that sort of thing. There are some in the works, but they're not worth talking about yet. And and you know how this is. You've got a You've got some potentials out there, but they're they're not worth mentioning because um, the the probability is is still uncertain, yeah. right? So you don't, and you don't let's be clear, to... Andrew and I aren't the ones doing the legwork with the guests. <laughs> Matt is doing the legwork. Oh, that, that's exactly right. That would be uh, Mr. Matthew Taylor. Yeah, and uh, he's and very very good at what he does. <laughs> he certainly is. Uh, I I don't know how he does it. I I really I mean that. I podcast with him. I don't know. How, I don't, well, know, I don't know. I don't know how he. I don't know how he wants to do it uh, because honestly, for a lot of times to get guests, all you need to do is you know find whatever public email uh, the, their agent puts out there, and you just write them, and they'll say sure. I don't even have the wherewithal to want to do that. <laughs> so, right. Matt, Matt is right. actually putting forth effort. <laughs> so. May may he be granted the gift of eternal life, Matthew. Uh, by the way, folks, th th this hasn't been said in a long time. It's it's worth saying. Uh, I consider it, I consider it very likely that without Matthew Taylor, neither of these shows, Skeptics and Seekers, or or Still Unbelievable, would be here in the forms that they're in. Uh, yeah, uh, Still Unbelievable wouldn't just it just wouldn't be here without him. Uh, that. The same thing might not be said uh, of SNS, but it probably wouldn't be here in the same way. Um, Matthew, Matthew is the guy that made the book still unbelievable come to life. David and I had oh, yeah, the we, idea. We botched it. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, oh yeah, it was it was it was awful. It was uh, it was it was too type A personalities at the wrong time, wrong place. Matthew <laughs> Taylor did this. Tyler B um, is, is the one that said to David and I on a public message board, you guys ought to write a book. And, and 
Oh, oh boy! And, and well, and damn him for that for for the rest of eternity. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's right. May he be granted the gift of eternal torture. Thank you, so. Tyler. No, no look, Tyler. Tyler's awesome. He's he's awesome. Uh, he's another voice that I wish I could I could have on a mic regularly because he'd be worth it. Yeah. But Matthew Taylor really is the guy. And folks. the thing is, he's never going to talk about. It. You're never going to know uh, who Matthew Taylor is because he's not going to talk about this stuff. And um, he's, he, he's, he's someone that deserves to be talked up. He deserves to be known. You know, if there are people with, with shows uh, and you're looking for a good guest, get Matthew. He deserves that. He deserves the spotlight way more than Andrew and I do. <laughs> he's, um, and so he's, you know, Andrew and I, we, we've been friends for a long time. Uh, and we both look up to Matt. That should tell That's you something. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. Uh, uh, so any, yeah. any time that he, uh, you know, has some shows of interest, I try to talk about him. Uh, I have some shows of interest that I can't talk about, but they're coming. Uh, and uh, we'll get there. And in the meantime, thanks so much for the audience. There will be some movements and changes, uh, but for the better. And uh, I'm, thankful to anyone who continues to come along for the ride. And with that, I'm out.